And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 295 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, October 28th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who sadly did not get cast in Disney's new Lightyear movie, Mr. Joe Polizzi. What's what? Have you seen the trailer? Have you seen the trailer? No, but I, I, I don't check Facebook, but I was told by somebody that you posted... Something about Buzz Lightyear? Is this a thing? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's a movie. It's a new Pixar movie. The new Pixar movie is called Lightyear. Chris Evans. It's basically the story. I'm not... No spoiler alerts, because I certainly haven't seen it yet, but I've seen the trailer. It's amazing. This is Buzz Lightyear. I mean, first of all, I... Buzz Lightyear you're talking about. Like Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Buzz, that is correct. You're very excited about this. I'm very excited. First of all, I'm excited for any Pixar movie because I am a huge animation fan and I am a ginormous Pixar fan um, because I just think they make the best movies. Um, And this is the story of the real Buzz Lightyear that would ultimately become a toy in Toy Story. So it's it's a very, very prequely kind of movie, right? So because this is the story of the real Buzz Lightyear, the man who went into space and did his thing and ultimately became a toy that everybody beloved. Um, I, I just, from the trailer, it's and then they use a David Bowie song over the top. Oh, it's just great. It's just so great. It's just so wonderful. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in need of wonderful things right now in my life because the world feels like a very mean and dispirited place, I have to be honest, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, we should, so, we should probably talk about that because, as, as you know, I go on Facebook maybe once a week now. And when I, and when I yeah, go to Facebook, yeah. one of your posts, thankfully, to Facebook is right at the top so I can get my regular dose of Robert <laughs> right at the top of Facebook. Yes. But, so, okay, Buzz By the way, buzz I post to Facebook aside, maybe once a well, week. Well, the, yeah. la- the, the last time I went on... You talked about like the world is all cranky pants and you are very negative. You were having a tough day. Like are you okay? I you know, I <laughs> things are good. Things are fine. I am do please do not worry about me. I you know, in the scheme of life, I am not uh you know, I, I, I have I am blessed in the in the amount of goodness in my life. However, <laughs> um I will say this, <laughs> but um yeah, I've just noticed that it's over the last week and a half, and there was a particular day, which is what prompted me to post, um, you know, just people seem like they're in a really cranky, bad mood, and I'm not. That's the thing. You know, it's fall-like weather here. There's football on. The Cowboys are doing good. I'm, you know, my life is good. My job is good. I've, you know, I'm happy, and I'm like, you know, I'm like literally a, a Disney character walking around with like birds flying around my head and singing, you know, some sort of musical song. And the world just seems to be in a really bad Somebody mood. Was and I, I was Cheerios. just, I mean, they that's... really were. And I didn't, I didn't like it one little bit. So, so that's what prompted me to post. Yeah. But then I saw the trailer for Lightyear and it was like, come on now. That's just, that's fun. 
That's fun, fun. That's good, wholesome fun right there. Well, I'm I'm a Pixar fan. Maybe not as much as you. Apparently, I had no, I had no idea you were that in love with uh, with that company. Oh well, I've always been in love with animation. I mean, I've, I've had a I've had a love affair with animated movies since I was a kid. Um, always loved. I mean, Elizabeth, my wife, um, always gives me hell because she says, you know, I've never really grown up when it comes to that stuff, and I, you know, I watch just about anything that's animated. Um, you know, from a from a movie standpoint or a series standpoint, uh, and you know, it's it's like we had our we had so we had our uh, we have a friend who's got a, a three year old, and um, the you know the uh, uh, they the, I I know all of the cartoons that this three year old of course watches, you do you know <laughs> right um, you know and so the um, you know, there's, 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 you know, SpongeBob, of course, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, it, I, I have had this love affair with animation, movies, and and shows, and all of that forever. And Pixar, of course, is the master at that. I mean, so you know, I, so yeah, so say what you no. will, but that's I love it. Yeah, I'm a huge no, fan. It's it's so funny. I mean, movies. I uh, I don't know what it was, but I saw or got a reference to the movie Crawl. You remember Crawl, correct? The movie. I do, of course. I okay. remember Crawl. Yeah. Well, that was you know growing up during my formative years, and I remember that movie very very well, and thought it you know have memories of it being the greatest thing ever. So I tried to talk my oldest into watching it with me, and finally you know. Sat down, started yeah, watching it. you were it. disappointed, yeah. And then I'm like, you know, it's just not, it just doesn't hold it's up. It's not what it was. It yeah. just, I don't know why I thought that was so amazing, because it's not a great movie. Um, no, it is not, sadly. Not, not at it all. And not. then it's, my youngest was home, and we were we were having the discussion about, move. I don't know what it was, about movies filmed in Sandusky, Ohio. That's where I'm from, Sandusky. And I'm like, oh my God, you haven't seen Tommy Boy yet. And, and my son's like, no, no, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it because, as you know, the Chris Farley movie, Tommy Boy, was set in Sandusky, Ohio. Watch that one again. Love Chris Farley. Love David Spade. Not a great movie. Not a great movie. But better than Crawl. Yeah. If that's such a thing. Well, there's that's, that's a low bar. <laughs> Crawl is definitely a low bar when it comes to, you know. But I remember it so fondly. It I wish I wouldn't have watched it again. Because, although, do you okay? Okay, you know what you should go watch. So, have you ever watched? Uh, have you ever watched Titan AE? No, I have not. Okay, so Titan AE. Have you, well, if you've not seen it, then it, maybe it's not going to have the same impact. But you know, on you seeing it again. But Titan AE was. Um, I guess it was the '90s. Um, I'd have to go back and look and see when when it actually came out. But it was one of those sort of uh, very. So it's a Don Bluth, um, uh, you know, animation, which means it was that sort of late '80s, '90s sort of very smooth Disney-like animation. Um, and basically, it's it's you know, it's about Earth that gets destroyed by some mysterious alien race. Um, and then you basically get there on this uh, ship called the Titan. These, you know, this, this sort of ragtag 
group of, you know, salvage yard workers and stuff like that. And they have adventures and it's, you know, it's a great movie. It's, I think, you know, it's, I mean, but it's kids, right? It's for kids, right? So. But you're very, you sound very there excited about it. So maybe I should watch yeah, it. Yeah, Titan AE. Yeah, Titan AE. It's a, it's a classic. Okay, the it's last classic, question yeah. and then we'll, we'll switch the subject. What's your favorite animated movie of all time? Oh, it's, 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 it's hands down up. Oh, yeah. that's so, that is a good one. And yeah. that makes I mean, sense that that followed, makes sense that that would be your favorite too. <laughs> I loved up so much. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. The first opening sequence of that movie is probably the best opening sequence of uh, just about any movie out there. Um, yeah, so uh, up, I would say followed closely by Wall E. Oh, um, you know, so you can sense too. you can get a trend here. Yeah. Um, Pixar movies. Yep, yep, and then I would probably. I would probably have to start going back in time from there, right? Because, um, you know, Iron Giant is, oh, come on, Iron Giant. Oh, have you ever seen well, that one? I've not, I've not seen Iron Giant. I, you have not seen you, Iron Giant? I have that seen is Ready a crime. Player one, which Iron Giant was a part of that movie, too. So I probably should. If you don't, so your homework is to go watch Iron Giant. More than Iron Titan Giant a, is. I have to watch Iron Giant. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, Iron Giant is is Iron Giant will make you cry your eyes out. I mean, it's 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 that generation's old yeller. Put it that way. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it, ah, come on. I can go on and on. We could do a whole show about oh animation God, we, we and could. movies. What about Moana? Yeah. No. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> come on, my 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 boy Lin Manuel Miranda wrote the music to that. Uh, you know, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I, so I, I can also go off on a rant about how animated movies have com- continued to sort of decrease. They, they have tried to follow the template of the musical that was so, that, you know, in, in many ways invented and furthered by Disney, yeah. but completely have botched in the last, I would say, decade. It just has not, they have not been as good. They're just not as good. Well, you need to do a blog post on that. So everyone, like Robert Rose's top 20. <laughs> top 20 and, and top animated 20 movies. And five biggest busts of all time. That would be, you should do that. I would read that. It would be much better than going on to Facebook and having to read you being upset about how everybody's treating you and... Well, okay, fine, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to bum out your day. No, it on was Facebook. just strange yeah. because I've never. You don't do that. You must. It must have really I don't. bothered you. I don't. It's you're rare. not the kind yeah. of person that goes on social media and says, "Why is everybody so mean today?" <laughs> <laughs> don't they know who I am? That is true. That is true. Yeah. Don't you know who I am? Exactly. That is that is well. Before true. before we go on to the news, we should talk a little yeah. bit about. Our 300th episode 300. coming up. Absolutely. 300 is coming up, folks. And we're going to do a few things. Um, so the, the 300 episode is we're not going to cover the news that day for that episode. What we want to do is do a bit of a special episode. And we've got some other little surprises in store that we're going to try and pull off. We'll see if we can pull them off. Um, but beyond that, we want to answer your questions. We want to make this all about you um, and how we can um, answer anything you've got on your mind. So 
we're going to, you know, get ready for this promo. It's going to be a little bit like the NPR promo that you're going to hear for the next few weeks as we lead up to the 300th episode. We want your questions. And the way we want to get your questions is, you know, through either email us if you want to email us, but more likely um, hashtag us up uh, on Twitter. So post your question on Twitter with the hashtag this old marketing. You can address us directly um, if you, you know, if you don't want to tweet out to your entire audience or anything like that. Um, but um Hashtag us up with the hashtag this old marketing and we have a bit of a prize. So if there is a question we end up using on that episode, um, we're going to give all those questioners uh, that asked a question that we use on the show. Just that little caveat there. Um, Joe will give $50 of tilt coin. Um, because you know how valuable that is. It's worth at least it's $50. Worth $50. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm going to get yeah. $50 worth of Tilcoin, which That's is right. actually worth yeah. $50. That's worth worth $50 and maybe more down yes. the road. Um, and then I will send you uh, a copy of uh, our book, Killing Marketing. Um, and we'll send you a, a free copy of that um, either in electronic format, like if you prefer on Kindle or, you know, or if you prefer the print version, we'll send you that uh, as well. So wow, that's, that's, a, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Those gifts are outstanding. That's wonderful, right? Yeah, that's that's at least a $70 value, a $70 value for asking a question that we can hopefully answer for you. So we would love to get those questions over the next couple of weeks as we start assembling our script for the show. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we got. I think it's going to be yeah, fun. Yeah, because we want to give back. That's why we want to do We this. do. We're givers. We do. <laughs> we want to give. Givers. We're givers that way. Yeah. <laughs> this will be We have to offer is... a bribe to get a question. Yeah, that tells you how much of a giver no, we are. No, in all seriousness, yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. We're going to have we're going to have a really good time. It's hard to believe November of 13. It, we're we're Isn't coming it up amazing? on the 8-year anniversary ago. at the yeah. same time. Jeez. Yeah. We're old. 8 years we've been doing this. Old, man. I'm tired. We're like, yeah, tired, we're, like, we're like the main character in Up. That's pretty much <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly. Time balloons to my house. <laughs> All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the news here and let's talk about what's going on. It is, everybody, I don't know if you've noticed or not, earning season. Yay! It's always uh, right around the start uh, of the beginning of the, the quarter. And, of course, uh, the, the fourth quarter is upon us. And so earning season is upon us. And funny enough, our first story uh, is about how Apple, so Apple often is one of those, you know, must watch stocks to sort of see where things are going for the for the quarter and what their earnings are doing. And it's very, very watched. But interestingly, Apple having a much bigger ripple uh, on the entire tech media content space um, and the first uh, article that we'll link to in the show notes and sort of tee up what we'll talk about with the other companies and their earnings for this um, for this quarter is Apple. And the headline from MarketWatch is actually Apple's Admageddon. Fun for them to actually come up with that. Uh, Admageddon is, and they put it in quotes. I don't know who actually originated it, but in quotes suggest that somebody did, um, is affecting Snap, Facebook, Google, and Twitter but all of them differently. Uh, 
Interestingly, uh, the article opens up by saying, after Snap stock tanked with a forecast miss, Facebook came up also slightly short on its own guidance, while Google and Twitter avoided much of the damage. After Snap lost more than a quarter of its market value and took another internet stock down with it last week, there were fears that Apple's recent privacy changes would upend the entire internet advertising market. But as it turns out, maybe not so much, at least so far. While Facebook and Alphabet's uh, Google showed some effects in their earnings report this week, they were not nearly as dramatic as the issues with Snap, and Twitter only saw modest effects. I think that that's a. I would switch that around and say Twitter actually crushed it this last quarter. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Google, in particular, seems immune to the issues as its rival Android operating system insulates its product from Apple's changes. On Tuesday, both Apple and Twitter, uh, excuse me, Alphabet and Twitter reported third quarter results that managed to avoid significant hits to their revenue as a result of the changes that Apple made to its iPhone iOS that lets users opt out of tracking by advertisers. Uh, And Facebook actually came out and said they blamed the Apple thing for their miss. but what say you, Mr. Polizzi, about all of this, your your take on where Apple is right now? It's first of all, Apple is so powerful. I mean, they you know, we talk about oh, rented land all the know. time. Well, Apple owns yeah. the world for the most part, because most people have you know are using their their iPhones. And yeah. in order to for Snap and Facebook and Twitter to have an audience on those platforms, they have to go through Apple. So Apple can set the rules. And you and I have talked about it on this program. I don't have any problem with the privacy things that Apple's trying to do. But again, Apple's making this decision. So they can change those rules at any time. Next quarter, they could they could do something else that could, again, f- affect Snap or Facebook. So it's just, if I'm those other companies, I'm really trying to figure out a way around. And of course, that's exactly why Google went so hard and heavy with their Android uh, formats because they're trying to get around this. So Google's yes, probably right. in the best position because if you're saying who are the two gatekeepers for basically all internet content right now, it's one Apple and two Google and everyone else are also RANs. And that's why you've got Zuckerberg focusing, focusing on the metaverse because he wants to have his own land. He wants to get away from what these walled gardens that Apple and, and Google have, have put around them. Um, so that it's interesting. I wanted to read this. This is the, the snap. Let's see if I can bring this up. This is interesting. So this is Evan Spiegel, who's the CEO of snap and says, our advertising business was disrupted by changes to iOS tracking that were rolled out by Apple in June and July we anticipated some of this disruption, but not as much as we actually had. It goes on to say, this was much more difficult for our advertising partners to measure and ma- manage their ad campaigns for iOS. S- Snap was $130 million short. It was a big miss. Yeah. So it's just interesting. That's not just Apple. That's just not That's not just Apple. Yeah, you think they're just blaming yeah. Apple? I. I, I absolutely do. I, abs- I absolutely believe that's an excuse. I mean, because think about it for a minute. You know, when you say, oh, our advertisers had trouble measuring and all of that, that tells me that they made purchases that they're dissatisfied with, which would not have affected earnings as much, right, this last quarter. In other words, 
those the, what they're saying is the same number of people bought, but they they were disappointed in what they bought. And so future, if they had said the future might be disrupted because future purchases might be downplayed based on their inability to measure and see what the impact was, then I go, yeah, I believe that. But them saying that, you know, that in other words, what what happened what in their miss is that a lot of advertisers went noped right out, right? Yeah. They just noped out of a uh, an ad buy full stop. That's not because uh, only because of Apple's move. That's because Snapchat is just becoming less relevant. Oh, I, I don't believe that at all. You don't? I think I think Snap is. I mean, you I mean, you know me. I was the first one to, to say sell Snap <laughs> shares years ago. I thought they were way over. Uh, they were bloated, uh, I, and then that's when Snapchat didn't know what they wanted to be. They were the uh, what were they? The glasses company at the time, or something like that. They were trying to yeah. Well, they yeah, yeah they've tried to do they a tried lot to of do things, a lot of yeah. things. But when they focused and they figured out, okay, this is our core audience. They're primarily a messaging platform, and they've got that figured out. I I think that if if when you talk to the younger generation. For the most part, if they're going to communicate with each other, they do it on one of two in one of two ways. And this is my experience, so just take it for what it's worth. One is they snap each other, and two is they use Discord. That's it. They're not using Facebook. They're not using WhatsApp. They're using those two. So if you're talking about where things are headed and trends, that's where they're at right now. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't. I just I get. I don't see. If Gen Z in quotes, we talked about that last episode. I don't see right, Gen sure, Z yeah. that now moving to Facebook because they're turning into boomers. I think Facebook's got no. That's right. Facebook's that's true. got its I own. I mean, issues. that's true. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I I'm still bullish on Snap. I I'm kind of clueless on what happened there. But my big thing is, why are we discussing Twitter in this conversation? Just and the reason why is because they're so small in comparison to these other players. Google did. $65 billion, billion in revenue in the third quarter. That's right. Yeah. And Twitter yeah. did one. Right. And we're talking about yeah, Twitter as the small. same thing. Yeah. I don't know if we can have that conversation because Twitter is such a small... I mean, they're not a small company, but compared to Google, they're such a small company. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so... Yes, that is that there's there's you know there's there's all kinds of 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 things to it's a, but that's also an unfair comparison, right? I mean, the way that, you know, cuz Twitter would be one part of Google, right? I mean, you know, in, in the same way that, you know, that Google search has become, you know, I mean, Google search has been around for a lot longer first of all and 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 you know, I so I think it's a bit of an unfair comparison, but Jay Bear actually said this really well uh, a couple of years ago where he said it, it's with Twitter, it's not about how many, it's about who and, and uh, I know is on they Twitter. talk about the influentials and you're right. If, if there's breaking news, Twitter is that platform. But yeah, it's I mean, it's got cultural relevance. It's got it's got definitely has still has cultural relevance in terms of 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 what's happening on the platform, even without that sort of big name person who sort of, you know, sort of certainly made it um, uh, certainly, you know, newsworthy, let's put it that way. Uh, But it's basically, you know, they're doing all right, I guess is the point. 
Um, they're you know Twitter's doing they they had a they had a really good quarter. I I love Twitter. I mean, I, I I own stock in Twitter. I've got no problems with Twitter. I think that you know the revenue grew thirty seven percent. I think they finally got thirty seven percent. I think they finally. Oh yeah, real. I think they finally have some things figured out. But when you look at it in comparison to in the same time period, you have Facebook did what thirty three, thirty four billion, and Google does sixty five yeah. billion. You're right. If Twitter was a part of Google, it would be the smallest part. That would be. The- <laughs> That, but nothing wrong with right. it. But I guess you're right. Why are we talking about Twitter? Because there is that influential nature of that audience. It's it's an older platform that's growing, right? It's an older platform that's growing. I mean, they did 1.28 billion in Q3, which means they're probably on track for you know whatever it is, almost six billion for the year, something like that. Yeah. Um. You know. So that's you know that's a. It's a real company, you know. You know I mean? It's like it's you know, it's it's they're they're, they're doing better. Yeah, I uh, so uh, what's so we'll we'll end on this one. So the the all the yeah. stories that you well, show me all kinds yeah. of links. What what are you bullish on right now? You've got Google, you've got Facebook, Spotify. Oh, Spotify. Okay. Spotify crushed. Okay, let's it yeah, let's let's quarter. review that a little bit cuz probably pretty important 172 million paying subscribers right now that pay for something yeah that's pretty impressive yeah that's really impressive and and their content acquisition their content launches what they've been doing spotify i mean and this was a company by the way that even what two three years ago was you know in a ditch somewhere left for dead right i mean and you know, people were talking about it going out of business, and you know what would happen, and all those kinds of things. And so, I, I I'm very bullish on Spotify right now. I think they're you know, and by the way, I've switched over from you know, I'm a I'm a heavy Apple user, um, and I've completely now switched over to Spotify as everything from my podcast to my music to everything, and I couldn't be happier. The interface is better, the service is better. The way it works is better. It's just better. It's just better in so many ways than the way that Apple does uh, audio. And so I, I, I'm very well. And I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. I mean, they're really working on these incubators for creators, and they've got this whole new video podcast thing that they're launching, which I guess is in beta right now. And they expect big things. I mean, it's funny when people talk about talk about video podcasting. You know, is that really a thing? And you got to realize it. <laughs> yes, it is, and that most podcasts are actually listened to on YouTube, where people watch them too. I don't know. You know, it's isn't that funny how a lot of like I think the majority of of Rogans at the time before he moved to Spotify, they were watching it on YouTube. I wonder if he's really yeah, that's right. I wonder if he's really yeah. lost his influence because he doesn't have that anymore. Is he still on YouTube? I, you know how that works. Yeah, he, I think they. Yeah, I think they. I think they still uh, pitch his show on YouTube. Yeah, because I know Spotify yeah. has the as, as far as I yeah. know. I mean, you can't listen to it on Apple or any of the other. Like I listen to, I use That's Overcast. Right. You can't get him on Overcast anymore. It's just Spotify. So I don't know what they did with the YouTube thing, but no, I'm with you. I think audio is still there's still so much opportunity in audio, and by the way, it's still the least expensive format for creators. Yeah, that's right. Not from a time standpoint necessarily, yes. but if you look at, it's funny. I was watching a Matthew Patrick video who runs Game Theory, 
and he was talking about how if you're going to YouTube today, like you just you you can't. I'm going to say you can't half-ass it. You you have to be all in. You have to have the best equipment. You have to have the best production team because it's the the days of you know you getting these videos on your camera and then uploading them and them go viral. That doesn't happen anymore. Like YouTube is long form content, regular series programming, and if you want to make it with some low tech, that's where you go to TikTok. So yes, interesting. Yeah, well, TikTok's the other sort of rising candidate in all of this, right? I mean, I've been hearing so much more about TikTok, not just from a you know the sort of classic you know stereotypical TikTok kid or you know that kind of thing, but for like actual real adult oriented and learning and B two B. Oh, you listen. You, you know, listen to the oh, Prof G podcast with. Oh, Mark I Cuban. did absolutely. Yeah, I so did I. Yeah, absolutely. So you should go through that a little bit on what he what he said because I was surprised as well as what was the question uh, I think that the question that Pro- Professor Galloway said where were you trying to educate yeah, kids yeah, where would you, said, where what would you, would you send your what, yeah. would you, what would you tell your younger self or what would you tell kids today and he basically said get on TikTok we're like what yeah. get on TikTok and he yeah. said he was t- telling the story of his son and how his son knows all these yep. investing terms and, and financial advice that he really understands right now because he's been watching regular videos on TikTok. TikTok videos, Who yeah. Who knew? Yep. He, he was basically, the way that 17-year-olds process information and get educated is entirely different than the way a 27-year-old does, and that's entirely different than the way a 37- and 47- and 57-year-old does. It's like, there are, you know, there. it's just a, it's just, it's different, very, very different. And that was his point was, you know, you've got, if you want to, if, if, if you're trying to tell yourself as a, as a young man or a young woman um, or, or a young person, then you should basically look to, you know, TikTok as a, as, as a, as a means of getting that information consumed. I'm going to have to break down one of these days and actually get an account. I don't have a TikTok. Yeah. You, you yeah. love it, right? I, you go down the TikTok I rabbit do. hole. I do. I'm a consumer, yeah. And I'm actually thinking about becoming a creator a little bit because I've, I've seen some B2B stuff now that's like, finally I get it and I see how it can work. And it's like, okay, I, I might try that. I might I might try that a little bit. Now we have some uh, a couple TikTokers on our Discord channel and it's amazing. They're all they're all telling us that we're crazy for not being on TikTok. And I'm like, I don't want to yeah. I know. I'm not going to listen to oh, you got to be here. I don't believe in any of that that you have to be on certain platforms. So I'm sort of pushing No, I don't either. I'm sort but of pushing. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. I probably should know just so I can be educated about it and I'm going to go going to be like that guy yeah. up i don't want to do anything <laughs> right okay boomer. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> shall yeah, we move on to a, just exactly that story yeah. we have just for all of those who are uh, out there who are saying okay boomer we've had enough let us talk about a story that really really just brings that whole point home um the next one comes to us courtesy of the verge although there's a lot of places covering this um, Phase Clan uh, is going public in a $1 billion SPAC deal. And if you're like, what the heck is Phase Clan? Welcome to uh, Boomerhood. Um, <laughs> because the young, uh, the young folk know what Phase Clan is. Um, and I had to go learn about it. Uh, Phase Clan is actually on track to become a publicly traded company. The competitive esports group is merging with B. Riley Principal, a 150 merger corporation. 
Um, that's a really long, it sounds, that's like the most SPAC company yeah, I've ever so, heard yes. of. Uh, in a deal that values the combined companies at $1 billion, that's billion with a B, folks. As part of the deal, FaZe Clan estimates it can get up to $291 million to help fund its growth. If you're like, what the hell does all that mean and why are you talking about it? Well, FaZe Clan is known for its teams that compete in Call of Duty, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, Fortnite, Players Unknowns, Battlegrounds, and more. With an audience of, here we go, and this is the part that makes you go, what? 350 million people on social media. The group opened up Phase Studios last year with one of the producers behind the Netflix original 13 Reasons Why. To further bolster its reputation... Celebrities like NBA star Ben Simmons, hip-hop artist Offset, and popular Twitch streamer Nick Merckx uh, have all joined the group. FaZe Clan will hit the NASDAQ with the ticker symbol FaZe in 2022, but some are skeptical of its arrival on the stock market. Jacob Wolf, a reporter for Dot Esports, criticized the $1 billion valuation of FaZe Clan, noting that Swift Media Entertainment, the parent company of Team Solo Mid, is worth less than half as much. I don't know. I can't comment on that because I don't know any of the players here involved and I'm just starting to learn about this. But this is fascinating. I mean, you talk about the content entrepreneur economy blowing the doors off the joint. This is big. It feels like big news to me. I think, Joe. yeah, am I, am I, I think I it is big news. Uh, and again, I'm like you. The only reason I know about Face Clan is because my youngest told me about it maybe a couple of years ago. And I actually knew what it was. Yeah. Basically, if you those people that don't know, is a group of three got three players that were fairly uh, successful on Call of Duty. They, because of that success and because of them winning tournaments and whatnot, they created rather large YouTube audiences, and then from there created more networks and more and more. And they would bring you know other influential people and other influential gamers into phase clan if you will and that they became their own little content creation juggernaut where you know they'd go on they'd be successful at events but they would also get build build these audiences which i think is the bigger part and that's what we're talking about on other platforms and bring a lot of sponsors into the fray and uh you know you and i talked before about um this is not a, you know, a one-time thing. You've got a lot of these, like Hype House on Instagram. You've got a lot of these groups that are coming together uh, that are basically leveraging each other's audiences. They're building content together. They're creating this network effect, and their sponsors are listening to this and putting down millions of dollars yeah. to be associated with these highly influential gamers, in this case, gamers. So... Uh, I think it's just the first of many that we'll see, and I think it's important for us to cover on, on this just so we can learn what the heck, what the heck is going on. It's here. Uh, look, I I, I got to tell you, you know. So, so here's the here's what I took away from this because this has taken me down a rabbit hole, to be quite honest, and a rabbit hole that I'm quite frankly enjoying very much. Um, I have to tell you, learning about all of this stuff. This is way this 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 stuff is like. So interesting to me because back in the day, you know, in let's call it 2002, 2003, you know, we, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this. We, you know, remember the term new media, you know, we're all going to get into new the media. new media, right? Everything was new media. What's the new media? You know, and what pe basically people meant was over the top 
type stuff, right? You know, so in other words, it was going to go around cable companies. It was going to go over the top. OTT is the term that was going to go over the, you know, streaming services and all that stuff, you know, and all of it, right, in the late 90s and early 2000s was all about, ah, you know, the music business is changing and someday, somewhere, the film business might change, the television business might change. And really all it did was it changed delivery methods, right? The web 2.0 stuff was really changing the delivery method of the same kind of content and the same kind of, you know, classically made stuff that we all grew up with in broadcast television. It was just a different delivery mechanism. We were sort of learning how to use this internet thing. This is new media, right? This is a new way of looking at the media that we're getting and the kind of entertainment that we're getting and the way of financing that and the way of distributing that is just, it's all of it is just completely upending everything. And this, you know, combining this with things like decentralized finance and some of those kinds of things, you know, we look at the the, the disruption that this is going to be in the movie movie studio, the record companies, you know, we've talked about a little bit on this show before. This is this is the rumblings, the little, you know, sort of foreshocks, if you will, of the earthquake that's coming to the classic media industry. And it's just and and the thing is, the kids understand this. Young people understand this. And boy, if you want to stay relevant in this, if you're if you're older, you need to know it. You need to learn it. It's it's interesting to see that like, we just covered Google and Twitter and Facebook and Snap and Spotify. And for the most part, all that's created by in, independent content creators. So we go back back to your 2002, right? What, how was that model? Yep. That model was a media company who had people on their staff. They owned all their content. They built their audiences. They owned and controlled those audiences, and they, they generated revenue that way through products. Then it all went to these social media platforms and all these content creators went out on there, you know, building building their empires on rented land, as we like to talk about. And now I think you're starting to see something where the, these some of these content creation groups are getting so popular and so powerful in a lot of cases. They're still going to leverage those social platforms, but they're building all these independent businesses, very similar to the way media companies looked 20, 30 years ago. You're almost coming back because they understand. It's like, oh, okay, well, if I really want to have value, if FaZe Clan really wants to have a $1 billion valuation, they just can't have those audiences built on other platforms. So we're yep. coming back to what we did two decades ago. And I, it's good. And, and I think that's the way it needs to be because we don't, always, we don't always need to bow down before Apple and Google and Facebook for everything. And I think we've just let that happen in a lot of cases. Such a true statement. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the last thing I'll say on this because I think it's it's really important because this I have to tell you this is, you know, as as you and I have talked about offline, um, it's something I'm really interested in, um, which is if you're asking yourself, well, why would a guy who's really focused in on how larger product and service companies and especially, you know, I, I tend to lean more into the B2B side of things. Um, but what, you know, what interest would I have in that? If you think about this idea of content marketing and the, um, the idea of the embedded media company, right? Talk, talk about the idea of, you know, oh, we should all act like media companies. We should act like publishers. We should act like, you know, the, those are, you know, 
Yes, absolutely. There is a way that we treat content and the way that we look at the business model of medias as sort of drawing in and attracting audiences. But if you start to look at this, this takes that idea of media company embedded into another company to another level. And I won't go too far down into the rabbit hole here because everybody may not be interested. But where I where it really interests me is like, how can brands start to become, you know, because this is not that I mean, it sounds like complicated, right? With the idea of a SPAC and you create this roll up company and you create this idea of, you know, of a bit of a incubator, mm-hmm. if you will, of, 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 of startup creators. It's not that complicated, actually. It's just basically putting a little bit of money behind content creators and seeing where it goes. Because quite frankly, these startup fashion brands, let's call them media brands or fashion brands that these young content creators are creating, they're building audiences, et cetera. There is nothing preventing a product and services brand from doing exactly that same thing. And that's fascinating to me. Will, will they boldly, boldly go where no companies have yeah. gone before? I agree with you on the B2B side. That's where there's a lot of this yeah. going on, on the consumer side, not as much on the B2B. Maybe, I'm, maybe we're just not aware of it. But uh, some fascinating opportunities. By the way, um, reading the Wikipedia page, just so we all know, all us boomers here, FaZe Clan became the first esports team to be featured on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This was just in June. So I'm really into the esports things now because I, I don't I didn't tell you this. A couple weeks ago, I watched my first esports match. I watched it on live stream. Did yeah. you? My, my, youngest, which, which my youngest is on the University of Kentucky's esports team for Valorant. Yeah, and I got to okay. I oh, got Valorant. to watch. Okay. Yeah, I got to wa- got to watch this Valorant thing, and I literally had no clue what was going on. I was going to say, could you have any no, idea what's I going felt on? Bad it's about like, it, so I. It's very it's hard, hard to follow. To follow yeah. So I, I told my youngest, I'm like, send me a tutorial. So now I've got a little better idea. It looks it's like a capture the flag kind of kind of game, but they all yeah, kill each that's other. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah. Interesting. So there you go. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. All right. Well, we'll, we'll close out with this final, uh, this wonderful news item, which sort of continues the theme that we have going for the show, uh, which is about where is Disney in all of this? For those of you who have followed our show for any amount of time, you know that we love to talk about Disney uh, and uh, our disagreements sometimes uh, on Big where Disney lies. Big opportunity by Apple. Yep. Yep. Uh, Hollywood Reporter, Hollywood Reporter, <laughs> won't even go there, uh, has uh, a news article that's really interesting here, which is basically um, when we're when we're talking about music streaming Spotify, they grew their uh, their their subscribers. But when it comes to Apple, uh, what is going on with Apple, Apple, the 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 service, the streaming service. Now, when we start um, talking about things, has not been keeping up, um, and that's a really interesting thing. I'm looking for. I'm, I'm, are you, are you talking of, about? Are you talking uh, about Apple or you're talking uh, about Disney? I'm talking about Disney. God, that's okay. Um, I mean, look at. We're not going to cut this out <laughs> because they know that we're. You know, we're, our mental facilities are. You know, we're getting older. I mean, this is what happens. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, when, when you and I walk around, you just start aimlessly walking in all of, I don't even know where you're going. I just have to point you in the right direction. The fact that we can do this 300 times, this podcast, is really saying That is so. correct. That is correct. <laughs> Basically, Disney, not Apple, Disney, the, you know, the Disney thing. It was, the, it was the Disney and Apple thing that sort of threw me off there. Disney has not been doing 
as 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 well. And the question is, is that in the streaming platform growth subscriber uh, idea, is Disney actually going to continue to keep up? Um, can it keep up with all of the others when it comes to Netflix? And is Netflix basically eating its lunch? Um, what say you, Joe Polizzi, okay. on that? While I sort that's, of back yeah, out that's of the a, corner That's here. all right. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah. what I, they came out and they said that that they expect their global subscribers to be between 230 and 260 million by end of fiscal 2024. And right, um, right. Wall Street didn't think they will be able to hit that. Uh, right now, they have 116 million paying global subscribers. Now, Wall Street's poo-pooing this whole thing, but you got to remember, no one expected Disney Plus to be at over 100 million paying subscribers right now. I mean, no, they this, Disney Plus by far the most successful streaming platform ever created in the history in such a short period of time. Netflix is, but in such a short period of time, Disney has blown the doors off of everything. The problem that I'm seeing is that I don't know how Disney can keep up with their frequency of content. Now, let me let me talk a little bit about this because it's important. Disney's, as you know, you and I have talked about it on this show, Disney's brands of Star Wars and Pixar and Nat Geo and all the things they have are amazing. They're first rate all the way. And if you look at what they've got coming out, I was doing some checking about all the different shows. I mean, they've got all kinds of Star Wars shows coming out and uh, different Marvel shows. And you've got uh, all the, you know, all the different versions of the Avengers are coming out and whatever. So great. Disney's doing a great job with this. How do they compete, Robert, with the fact that Netflix has at least one show out every day? Most likely it's three. They had like one, two, or three show launches every day. And when you compare that with Disney, which basically gives you maybe one a week, I don't know how they can keep up. I mean, I think that's the issue. I mean, and I'm not one for, oh, the more content, the better. But if you're saying that you're Disney and you're head-to-head against Netflix, and that's really what it's coming down to right now, and you have, I don't know, 20% of the content that Netflix is putting out, it's very hard for them to keep up. It is. you know, And I think what I lean back on is, is what Netflix seems to understand, um, and, you know, and Squid Game is really the perfect example of this, is that Netflix understands that it's a global strategy, not a U.S. strategy. Um, you know, because we have been, the media industry and the mass media industry has been so, the entertainment business, let's say, really, has been so myopically U.S.-centric for yes. forever. You know, I mean, just think of the Academy Awards for a second, right? The Academy Awards, you know, has forever had the best foreign language film as a separate category. Netflix doesn't see the world that way, right? Netflix just sees good content, independent of where it comes from. And I think understands just to our previous discussion about, you know, the the idea of where content is getting created and how much more... Uh, democratized it is. Netflix understands that it can come. The good content can come from anywhere. That's the advantage that they have over uh, over Disney right now because Disney only has one spigot. Right, it's only got itself, and so it has to rely on its. You know, it's almost like it's a victim of its That's own success exactly. in many ways That's a because great point. you know. 
which is, you know, it can only produce what a Disney like experience, whereas Netflix is just a channel that can produce hard. I mean, I'm going to go off a little bit in my rant a little bit here in a bit, but it can produce something as horrifying and as dark as Squid Game, but can also produce something that is light and animated and for kids. Right. And so. It has a lot. It has a lot. Its portfolio is much more diversified than Disney. Now, the question is: Can Disney grow into its clothes? Right? Can Can Disney actually become, you know, something where they start combining the ability for Star Wars and all of these amazing things to start to generate, you know, the content that will not only tie it to a, a more diversified media portfolio, but be able to tie it into the theme parks and the merchandising well, and all the a, other that's stuff. That's a great point, obviously, if they can get that going. But if you if you look at the yeah. people that are subscribed to Disney right now, I mean, you're, you're really focusing on lovers of the Disney brands. Specific, like, look at Marvel, right? You've got, oh, you're going to do Hawkeye, and then Ms. Marvel, and then you've got... Uh, Armor Wars, and they got Guardians of the Galaxy special coming on. All that stuff. I'm looking through the the list here. So they're and they're pandering to their current audience. It's a really good way to maintain and keep an audience. So from a maintenance standpoint, fantastic. How are you going to grow new viewers? Like you said, Netflix with did with Squid Game, which I think they said that they could. I think it was 4.4 million new subscribers just because of Squid Game, which was. Which was an incredibly, incredibly successful, maybe the most successful Netflix uh, show of all time. But I think what you're bringing up is they have more room for experimentation. They have more room to go out to other countries and do things and make some bets that may not work or they may be home runs like Squid Game was. And Disney can't do that because they really are sticking around brand extensions. That's all they're doing. They're not. There's not all new shows coming out necessarily that aren't necessarily st- um, linked to uh, a Pixar movie or another brand or something like that. All, even your uh, Buzz Lightyear one. That's it's based on it. It's already based on the series. So they're they're always right. in and around what they're always doing, and it's hard to reach out and get a new audience when you don't expand that a little bit. And I'm not saying Dis- I love what Disney's doing. I just don't know if they can compete with what Netflix is is doing right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Great point. Great point. Yeah, that's fun discussion, too. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite, empirically proven favorite, by the way, uh, favorite part of the show, which is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like we just watched a great animated movie or the fact that we've watched Krull oh, for the geez. 13th time. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you want me? I have very two very short rants. Yeah, do you sure, want me go, to go, go first right or would you like to go I first? I want to hear your rants. Okay, so my my first rant is just, I mentioned it just a second ago with regard to Squid Game. I don't know if you've heard this, Joe, um, but there are schools, elementary schools in uh, New York, multiple elementary schools that banned Halloween costumes depicting the Squid Game. Oh, I, I did not hear this. You heard this? No. Yes, they have banned, citing its mature content and violence, apparently. Um, that, you know, but here we go. This, you know, this is just ridiculous. Oh, but you could probably wear and, Freddy Krueger. I, I don't, I don't, 
Oh, where Freddy Krueger, you know, who comes in and chops your head off or, you know, or a Jason, which takes a 14 inch butcher knife and stabs you through the heart and the neck and your blood spurts out, you know, and, uh, you know, any of the other 15,000 of the, the scream costume or, you know, I mean, name any other horror movie out there with that's extreme violence. I mean, the kind of violence that just makes, you know, it's almost cartoonish in how extreme it is rated R for sure. And those costumes are okay, but somehow the squid game, which it, it, I don't, I mean, I don't know what that says. I, I well, just maybe really you don't. Hit, it's maybe just, you it's hit it. Just well, maybe silly. it's because the squid game violence is, seems so real. And the Friday, the 13th type violence seems almost comical at times. I, you know, I, I don't buy that for a minute. Uh, this I, I don't I don't buy that for one. Well, you would never minute, agree with me. So right? I mean, I'm not expecting you to agree. Yeah, with I don't buy. Yeah, I'm just I throwing just, out I theories mean, just, here. I don't know. <sighs> just it just grinds so they're not ears. allowing. Um, what what are they dressed like? One of the contestants? Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, you, you, the, no. They're the the little men that run around and oh, are the, the workers, guards the workers with the triangles yeah. and the circles you know, on their face yeah. that that's right that's right i think that's one of them and then there is the the, the players themselves have the track Got suits it. um the, the the with the numbers on them etc so anyway it's just i just thought i'd bring it up because i just think it's stupid um my other quick rant uh comes to us and we'll link this in the show notes actually uh which is from cb insights uh, it's a continuation. Uh, it's just sort of my ongoing saga here uh, of, of, you know, I want to read you the first paragraph of this, Joe. Now, I'm not a, re- uh, a subscriber to CB Insights, which, of course, is a research company and does all sorts of technology, marketing, industry research and, and a respected company in terms of the research they're doing. This is something they published earlier this month. And the headline of the article is Stripe, HubSpot and J.P. Morgan are buying audiences why acquiring media companies and communities is about to explode. And the, and the opening paragraph is, instead of renting an audience, companies are realizing that owning their audiences and going direct can lower customer acquisition costs as well as lifetime value. Here are our predictions for the media companies that technology and financial services companies should have on their M&A radar. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, the fact that J.P. Morgan has purchased a couple of media assets and and all of that. They quote our good friend Dharmesh Shah, who back late last year said modern media companies have a software embedded inside. Next gen software companies will have a media company embedded inside. Um, Again, I'm not a subscriber. Maybe we get mentioned later, Joe. I don't think we do. The words content marketing certainly never appear. Uh, and it's just, I, I, look, I'm excited that they found this. I, I'm, I, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they found it. I'm glad they've discovered this. They've discovered this new innovative thing um, that we've been talking about for 10 years. But at the same time, it's just, it's one of those things where I just, I wish they'd taken it one level further and gone, it's it's got a name. It 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 has a name. It's it's been going on for a while. It's, th- these companies are not new at this. They're late. That this has been happening for some time. It's been going on, and actually, it's taken. It's starting to take another step, right? So what they're talking about. This article should have come out like three or four years ago, and that would have been interesting. 
the next step that we're all talking about now, like with this show, what we just spent the last half an hour talking, is the next step in how these companies will leverage the media model to build audiences and for what reason that they're building those audiences. It's not, I mean, yes, lifetime value and customer acquisition costs, absolutely yes. That's what we, we've been writing books about that and talking about that at Content Marketing World and doing all those things for the last 10 years. Now let's talk about the next gen, right? In other words, it's not about to explode. It exploded sometime last year, and now what we're doing is looking at the next explosion. So, I'm, you know, I want it to get visibility, and I'm glad CB Insights did it and all of that. But welcome, you're at the party, and you didn't show up with any food. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in that. Well, they are covering it. Yeah, that's why I'm so I'm I'm torn on this, right? I'm glad they're covering it. Article when it comes to going through all the acquisitions, and they talk about lifetime customer value and customer acquisition costs, and how acquiring a media company can help both of those, you know, KPIs, if you will. Yeah, they just don't mention. You know, yes, we've been talking about it for a while, but I don't, I don't. As long as they're talking about it now, I'm happy. You should be happy too. Yes, I, I, I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I can tell I, you're I, happy. Go back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah, I'll go back to the beginning of the episode. I'm happy about Lightyear, and I'm, I'm sad that people are grumpy about stuff. But um, you know, it's like every single one. It's like literally they. It's it's like the the acquisitions they go through. Every not not one of them. Uh, actually, no. There's one that we didn't cover on this show. It literally reads like a, one of our show scripts, you know, HubSpot, The Hustle, Penn National Gaming, Barstool Sports, Robinhood, Market Snacks, Stripe, Indie Hackers, DraftKings, VSIN, Zapier, MakerPad, DigitalOcean, Required Scotch.io. That's one I didn't know about. I didn't know about that Um, one either. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. I'm glad you're okay with this. I can, I can sense. Oh, I'm totally okay with with it. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that now it's taken you six or seven episodes to get through this. And we're culminating to something's going to happen here. <laughs> it may I think not, it's probably it may around not, episode three hundred where you're it just may. gonna you're gonna lose it all. It's gonna be yeah. Over. I'm gonna go postal. <laughs> all right, I've got I've got two. Uh, I guess they're raves. One is very self serving uh, because the team at the Tilt worked really hard on this, and uh, we put together a guide called NFTs One Hundred and One, a useful beginner's guide for content creators. And when we wrote this, Robert, I thought of you because I was trying to think of all the questions you would ask. And uh, you know, how you thought think that NFTs are stupid. Um, so I go through. We go through this whole thing on what is NFT is. But I think the greatest thing that the team did on this one is they talk about the different business models that content creators are using. So it goes through. You know, we covered it on the show. What Blau is doing from a music standpoint. We cover Tom uh, Bilio's uh, Impact Theory podcast and what he's doing with his founders' key NFTs. We go through Gary Vee and V Friends, and just all we're trying to do is break down why a content creator would consider using an NFT as part of their business model. So I'm going to put it in the show notes. If you get a chance, getting some really good traction on on LinkedIn and uh, and Twitter and whatnot. So I'm glad that we can help answer some questions about NFTs. So specifically you robert so i'm gonna send this to you i so you yeah, can, thank you thank you, you. I, I, go yeah. through it and actually it helped me too and i learned a lot from this article as well the uh this second one here is absolutely a rave <laughs> and it's a rave out to amazon 
I guess it's a rave. Some people probably don't like this, but I do just because of, of being a, an author that has sometimes self-published. Kindle Direct Publishing has finally added hardcovers to their publishing. So if you're not familiar with Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP, if you are an independent author and you want... Oh, yeah, I didn't they know just this. announced it. I just got the email this morning. So basically, if you wanted to uh, publish your, uh, your book, you can do so on and Kindle Direct Publishing, and it's always a soft cover book, which is fine. And then you can also publish the corresponding ebook. If you want to publish your audiobook, you do with Audible. So Kindle has sort of the trifecta package, but they've never had a hardcover book. And when uh, we put together The Will to Die, my, my novel in 2019, 2020, I wanted a hardcover. I wanted a hardback. I thought it was important for my first you know, fiction novel to have a hardback. And you have to go through all sorts of hoops. And you have to go through another manufacturer. And then a manufacturer has to link up with Amazon. And it is a pain in the butt. And if you do all that work, you make like 10 cents or something off of a hardcover right. book. It's almost right. not even worth doing it, doing it for the author. But I love it. They're just they're doing this beta test on hardcover. They're giving you three or four different options. Uh, so thankfully, thanks to Amazon, thanks to Kindle for doing this. And if I'm Ingram and some of the other hardcover book distributors, I'd be very concerned with, again with Amazon taking more of your uh, your marketplace, if you will. Milkshake. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. And um, so kudos to Amazon, even though. A lot of people aren't happy with Amazon right now uh, for their no, for their workplace. No, well, I mean, you know, treatment. Yeah, of course. Of some of their benefits and things like that. But what's funny, you <laughs> know, what's really crazy is we were driving back yesterday from Lexington, Kentucky, and first of all, I must have passed three thousand Amazon trucks. Second of all, I think I passed four or five warehouses. Uh, like distribution centers for Amazon, all the way up oh, and down sure. seventy one. Yeah, it is nuts. That's the. Well, that's the, I mean, that's, you know, I think they've, they've actually, the reason that those are there, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that part of the country is considered sort of the, the, the set, I mean, it is mathematically like the center of the country from a, from a distance perspective or something. <clears throat> so there's all sorts of distribution centers that are in that, in that part of the world. Whatever they're, whatever the reason is, I mean, it's, it's, we're going to be yeah. at a point where. Like twenty percent of the world is is employed by Amazon <laughs> at some point. It's really no, th this is uh, kind of the focus of this episode. Are these big tech companies that are taking over everything? We talked about. We I think there's eight yeah. companies that make up twenty six percent of the S and P five hundred, and we we talked about them all today. It's crazy. There's something. There's some metaphor we should have with like you know rebel scum. <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw, I, I saw yeah. a bumper sticker on the back of a car when I was driving. It had it had half the Rebel Alliance and half the Imperial, and yeah. it basically said, "I could, I can't decide." <laughs> it just split the decide. two and a half. I'm like, I like that. Yes, I like that. Uh, you know, it should say something like, "I'm a maverick." <laughs> I think outside the box. I'm a maverick. I'm balanced. I'm I'm a centrist oh, empire. <laughs> I'm left of center oh, empire. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, what are you doing this week? Are you uh, you got your you're back from your your well, trip? Yeah, back and, from the trip. Loki Loki this weekend. Uh, we've got a very very important football game on Sunday on Halloween. 
Cleveland yes, Browns, you do. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, you and do. And we're very, very much injured. So I'm I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying it's true. I think Baker's going to be out again. That third that third round that that third level running back is the real deal. Isn't that though. something I can't remember his name. Off the top of my head, but he's he's amazing. Ernest Johnson. Ernest yeah, Johnson. He's great. I almost tried to get him for my fantasy team and was too late. But oh, he's he, great. I, he's going to be. Well, you're we're be running fine. second string quarterback, third string running back. We'll see. It all depends on yeah. the defense. But you got Jarvis Landry back. You know Thank it's all goodness. good. Yeah. We need, and then your Cowboys play yeah. who? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, Sunday Very night. Good. Dalvin so, Cook is yeah. a great running back. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But, man, your Cowboys look good. They look good. Yeah, they do. Well, we'll see how they come out of the bye. Well, that's the big That's the big question right now is coming out of the bye, how do they look? Exactly. So, so we will see. I am looking forward to that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are going to sign off. If you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes, all those links that we talked about, all the wonderful things, um, or quite frankly, dive into any of the other 294 episodes as we head toward 300, get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site. Remember, folks, in the coming week, get us your questions. Any question that you like, we'll talk about football, we'll talk about NFTs, we'll talk about marketing, we'll talk about media, we'll talk about just about anything you want to talk about. Ask us a question that you want to know. What's burning on your mind? And there are prizes involved. Hashtag us up at This Old Marketing on Twitter when you do that. Until we meet again next week, just remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing.